Good evening, church. Another Wednesday night during this COVID time. I'm glad that you're watching. I pray that you're safe and being safe. And I hope you're coming to services on Sunday. Uh, tonight, I want to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, we'll look briefly at verses 1 through 4, and then I'll pull in some other scriptures with this. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay, aside, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gifts to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply it to our lives and live it out and grow from it. We thank you for your many blessings and for keeping our church safe thus far. And ask you continued blessings. Be with our world and all those who have COVID and are experiencing the pain of that and the suffering of that and the loss of loved ones through that. And we just ask that you'll protect our Christian brothers around the world and those who are working on the front lines, even in our own country, uh, that you'll end this in a way that will bring you glory. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, when I think of the Apostle Paul, or when you think of the Apostle Paul, what comes to mind? It may be that he was a prophet to the Gentiles, and he was. It may be that uh, you think of the great missionary journeys. Uh, it may be all the churches that he helped to establish, working where no one had worked before. It may mean um, uh, the epistles that he wrote in our Bible, writing almost half of our New Testament. Uh, it may be the courage he had in suffering for Christ. It may be the love that he showed to brothers and sisters in Christ. All those things are true, for he was a spiritual giant and a good example for those who would follow in his steps. But there's one aspect of his life, his work, his ministry that's often overlooked, and that is his work as a fundraiser. Didn't know that, probably, but he did. See, God calls us to work together in his kingdom. Together we are always stronger than alone. And God calls us to work together for his kingdom work, for his glory. The Apostle Paul knew that. And in these verses, he's talking about working together to bring relief to the saints, the Christians, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, we as Southern Baptists practice working together. We have a vehicle that's called the Cooperative Program. It's not emphasized as much as it used to be. It started back in the 1920s, the late 20s. And... What it does is this, it enables our missionaries, uh, whether they're home missionaries or foreign missionaries, to stay on the field rather than to come home every year or so and have to raise enough funds to last another year. Uh, we distribute it equally. We cooperate together as churches all across the nation to send missionaries to North America and also send missionaries around the world. We support over 5,000 around the world, about the same uh, in North American missions. But not only that, uh, we join together in Baxter and Marion counties here in Arkansas and White River Baptist Association, over 30 churches, get God's work done together because together we're stronger. We, we help feed uh, the poor in our own church through the food room and then also uh, through the backpack program. And we join with other churches in our communities in our area to do that. 
Uh, as Arkansas Baptist, as the Baptist Convention, we help support chaplains and church starters and uh, you know, we minister those prisoners and we have uh, the Boys and Girls Home in, in uh, Harrison that helps children or youth that are in trouble and, and headed down the wrong road to have a pl safe place to go. We have an orphanage in Monticello that we help to support. Um, we help feed the poor across the state. We, we help educate uh, young men and women uh, doing ministry for God. We, we could just go on and on with the list, but it's, it's basically that God calls us to work together for His kingdom. And He's the one that we do it for. He's the one that's to receive glory. And so as we start this passage, I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to start with just a little historical background. Probably more than we uh, need or want, but we're going to look at it. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, which were north of, of Corinth, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. When I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, the history of this is this. Paul's life had taken a lot of different turns. He had probably never uh, thought that he would do it. He went, he went from being the chief persecutor of the church to the great apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, he was good at persecuting Christians, but God, uh, he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, struck down blind and waited, was converted there and became a pre preacher of the gospel and then a missionary. And um, he was establishing churches all over the known world of his day in pagan places. But his ministry work was not to his own nation, the Jews, but rather to the Gentiles. If you read Romans 3.29 and then uh, Romans 11.13, he says, I am appointed as an apostle, a missionary, if you will, to the Gentiles. And that's what God had given him to. It doesn't mean he, he, he didn't have anything to do with Jewish Christians. Because even after each of his three missionary journeys, he went back to Jerusalem to report to the church of Jerusalem to tell Jewish Christians what God was doing among the Gentiles. It was during his third missionary journey that he became very concerned about Christians in Jerusalem who were struggling. There was a famine in the area and Agabus had uh, uh, prophesied that famine that was coming years before. In Acts 11, it tells us about that because in Acts 11, uh, it, it, it tells us these words in verses 27 through uh, 30 of Acts 11. It says very specifically, uh, and in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it um, to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul also known as Paul. Now, evidently the situation had continued to grow worse and Paul, becoming concerned about them, decided, look, we've got to do something. He began to, to tell the, Jew, the Gentile Christians, you need to help in this. It's right for us to work together. You owe them a debt. And they did. 
And specifically, there's some requests that he wrote on this third missionary journey. Uh, he, he wrote to this Corinthian church and he said, Look, you promised over a year ago to take this offering. Don't lack in that promise. Complete that promise. He goes on telling the churches in Galatia and, and that northern area had gone above and beyond and they didn't want to be embarrassed and to take it up. And when he came, they could send letters from the men that they wanted to take it to Jerusalem. And if it was okay, he would accompany them to do that. Uh, as I said, they were to decide who was to take it. If you read about the generosity in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, it tells us about that. Because in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, <clears throat> it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. That I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And we urge Titus that as he had begun, so we'd also complete this grace in you as well. Now, we need to understand that what he's really talking about is that these folks were poor, not like the Corinthian church, which was a wealthy church or more, had a lot more money. And even though they were small and afflicted and persecuted and, and poor, they had given beyond Paul's imagining. And he says to this Corinthian church in that passage, don't lack this gift also. Because in the verse 8 he says, you abound in all these other gifts. Don't lack in this gift of, of helping other Christians. And we do that because one church isn't able to help all the people that need help. But together, when we pool our money together, when we work together in kingdom work, it makes an impact on communities all over the United States, all over the world. And we need to remember that even at Gasville Baptist Church, as great as our community is, our reach is to be kingdom work. A lot of it is not to benefit our church. Does that make sense? Let me explain. You see, when somebody is saved, and they may be saved through some touch of our ministry, but they go to some other church, people complain a little bit. We shouldn't complain. Praise God, they're saved. They joined the kingdom. And we had a part in that. And when Christians around the world hear the gospel or they're fed, you realize you don't have to worry about giving to some organization that feeds the hungry. I'm saying there's some good ones out there. Check, though. Southern Baptists have missionaries around the world they have vehicles in place that if you give to the hunger relief of Southern Baptists, 100% of the money is spent for food, not administration, not delivering the food, for food. It's like our, here in America, we have our disaster response teams, disaster relief. And they go wherever tornadoes are, or hurricanes, or, or the fires, the floods, all those things. And they have different groups that will come in, cut trees and remove that, and maybe help repair some buildings, or shovel out mud. And they do that, and they, they also send their food trailers. Big semi-trailers do nothing but cook food and serve thousands of meals the time that they're there, whether it's two weeks or six weeks or longer. And we do the same thing overseas. Now, you need to understand that 
that we partner with other groups in that. A lot of times you don't see the Southern Baptist Relief effort. You see the Red Cross signs. And the reason for that is the Red Cross through the government agencies and because they have things set up are well known in communities and the Red Cross loves for Southern Baptists to come and help. So we get to help. It's called kingdom work. Do we understand that? And that's what Paul is talking about. He says all these northern churches have agreed to help and you're a part of these Corinthian churches and you need to take your offering because they have given well above what they were able to give and I have bragged that you'd started this a year ago. Finish the work. Join. That's why people that tell me that they don't have to be a church member to be a Christian, I say, you're right. You don't have to have faith in Christ. That's what Paul taught. He was, he was the champion for salvation through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. But he believed in cooperating. And my answer to those people tell me they don't have to be a member of a church or they don't like organized religion, etc., etc. Listen, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you're not much of a Christian if you're not involved in the local kingdom work. It's not all about the kingdom. We have to have a broader view. We have to open our hearts to those that are in need. See, when we see those pictures of the homeless across our nation, do you see somebody that's shabby and, and gross and dirty? Or do you see some soul that needs ministered to so they can experience the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we understand that? And so Paul's in the midst of this, okay? And the Jerusalem church had told him just to remember the poor and... and not to eat meat offered to idols or strangled in its own blood. He said, this I was glad to do, to remember the poor. The word poor there specifically means the poor in Jerusalem. Jewish Christians. The reason they have to send money is that the Roman uh, writer, I think it, it, Pliny, I can't remember his name, the historian. Uh, do you remember his name? Yeah. Josephus. Josephus, thank you. Okay, Josephus. Brother Galen knows stuff. Uh, Josephus wrote that there was a great need there and that the Jewish uh, leadership met the need. But see, that left out the Jewish Christians because once you became a Christian, you were cut off from Judaism, from the temple funds, from them helping you as a poor person for not having food. And so the church had to step forward and fill that gap. Works the same way in our day. If churches were all giving and all doing, uh, what they could, then there wouldn't be the need for the government to do so many social programs. I'm glad the government doesn't because people would go without. But if we were uh, all tithing, if we were all gathered together, if we were working together in kingdom work, there wouldn't be a need for any of that. It's a picture of the New Testament church impacting whatever community they lived in, but also beyond their communities as they work together. And these folks realize that they need to send something back. Do we understand that? And Paul is urging them to do all of that and to complete uh, their journey. And Titus was, was supposed to head up the work there in Corinth at that time and deliver the offering and do those things. And, and Paul and his fellow travelers uh, take that offering in Acts chapter 15, verses 25 through uh, 23 through 33. And uh, it says of their offering that uh, he, he's talking about idols and immorality and keep yourselves pure from that. I'm not going to get to my passage of Scripture because my thumbs aren't working. And he goes on 
He said, so when they sent them off, they came to Anak, when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter, and when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement, and Judas and Silas being prophets, also glory and strengthened the brethren. And after they had stayed there for some time, they sent back with greetings the brethren and the apostles. It seems good to Silas remain there, and Barnabas remains there, teaching and preaching. Some days, Paul said, Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brethren in every city and encourage them. But it's talking about they were working. They were doing the things that they're supposed to do. They, they, they take it back, all right? Now, they were faithful to do this, and Paul wanted to make sure they continued to do that. And they took this vital offering to help the Jewish Christians who were suffering because of their faith and not having enough food during this famine. Now, that's the history of it. And point two would be the heritage. Now, there are basically two reasons the Gentiles need to take an offering to help Jewish believers. See, in God's eyes, they weren't first-class Christians and second-class Christians, with Jewish being the first class and uh, the Gentiles being the second class. They were just Christians, those who believed in Christ, saved through believing in Him and repenting of their sins. And they were equal because God is not a respecter of persons, but that sort of crept in a little bit, and sometimes the Jewish people sort of look down their nose on the Gentile people. And why would they help these foreigners? Why would we help these people that have come into our land? Why would we, you know, I hear it all the time. Because God called us to do that, to spread the gospel. Because God called us to help. But they need to specifically help the Jewish Christians, I'm getting off track, for, for two basic reasons. They need to take this offering. First of all, it was because Paul understood that the Jewish believers became believers because of the faithful witnesses of the Jews that were scattered during the early persecution time. Wherever the Jews went, it was like little fire starting as they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, and because Jesus came to the Jewish line from Abraham, as according to God's promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in his line, and that's Jesus, and they had experienced that, they owed the Jews something. They owed their spiritual lives to the Jews because they were faithful to share the gospel as they were supposed to. Which brings me to this. Are we faithful to share the gospel with whoever God puts in our path that needs help? Yes, we need to feed them. Yes, they need clothes. Yes, they need this help and that help. But it's not just that ministry. It's also the ministry of sharing Christ. The verbal sharing of who Jesus is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do we understand that? And how shall they hear unless uh, someone is sent like a preacher? But see, you don't have to be a preacher to share your faith. You just have to know that who you believe and why you believe. So it's because they owe their spiritual lives to him. And then uh, secondly, uh, according to Romans chapter 11, literally the Gentiles have been grafted in to the tree of Judaism. Now, that doesn't mean that they're, it means they're spiritual Jews. They didn't have to be circumcised. Paul said that a lot. But in, in, in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 11, beginning with verse 10, he says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some of them, the Jews. For in their being cast away is the reconciling of the world. What will be their acceptance? But life from the dead. 
And if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches are broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them become a taker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But remember, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. What he's saying there is, look, you now all are members of the covenants of God, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. You now are the true Israel, whether you've been circumcised or not, because of your faith in Christ, you have those blessings, you have those promises. You owe the Jewish history uh, led up to this. And for these reasons, you need to be a part of this collection and to share the burden of Christians around the world that are suffering so much. See, one of the ways we do that burden, yes, we give to missions, we give to uh, programs to support people here in the United States, North America, around the world. But one of the ways we do it is to pray for our missionaries, to pray specifically for certain countries. If you know a missionary that's serving in a certain country, certain country, you should pray for that missionary, you should pray for those people that they will be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I should pray for them that way. And it changes our hearts when we start realizing how much darkness they live in. You know, I get tired of people always condemning the United States and how we live, uh, you know, and blah, 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 when they, they don't realize the blessings that God has placed upon us. They don't recognize Him. If you go overseas and see the darkness there, if you go over there and see how people have to live and how blessed we are, it shouldn't make us proud it should humble us it's just by God's grace it should cause us to pray for those folks it should cause us to open our wallets and give to those causes through the Southern Baptist cooperative program you know we have a legacy and sometimes that legacy is going to go on before us and that's what we leave behind and God who sees in private will reward openly do we understand that the heritage we have is to share with others in the kingdom work because we owe. I owe all those Christians who led to me becoming saved by their example, by their prayers, because believe me, they had to pray, by what they taught in Sunday school and we used to call it training union, discipleship training, by how they had events that would draw me in that, that other things would and they always shared the gospel there by aunts and uncles who prayed for me. I owe you have the same thing if you think about when you were saved. So that's our heritage. And then the help. By this I mean the unity. See, that, as I said before, the Old Testament prophesied of a time when Jews and Gentiles would come to faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus. Isaiah 2.2 uh, speaks of that when it says... This, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Isaiah 56, 7 says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then the last one was Psalm 72, uh, verse 17. 
Speaking, it says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall bless Him. And all nations shall call Him blessed. See, the help comes. They take it to the Jews. And Jewish and Gentile believers rejoice together for the offering. And for the work of God being made manifest in such a way. Together. Together. We can't do Gasville Baptist Church without you. We work together. You volunteer together. You meet needs together. We can't do kingdom work in our association without you. We can't do worldwide mission endeavor without you. It's God's will for us to work together in the kingdom. I'm so grateful for those that have worked on me, especially Brother Galen, about being involved in different types of things and, and even different denominations working towards something because I was really anathema to that for a lot of years. And anathema means death. Uh, because I didn't like some of the things that go on in my past, but I'm finding out that uh, the millennial generation believes in a cause. They believe in something bigger than themselves, and it has to be bigger than Gasville Baptist Church. It has to be as big as Jesus, the work that we've called to do if we're going to reach our world for Christ. So will you commit with me today in working together? Will you find your spot in the kingdom work right here at Gasville that will extend around the world? Will you pray for those that need prayed for? Will you stand in the gap and do the work of ministry that God has called you to do? Even during this time of pandemic, we have ministry to do. All right, that's it for tonight. We'll see you next time. Good night, Gasville Baptist Church.